0: Good morning, Super Entrepreneurs. How are you all doing today on this Monday? I really need to change the air conditioning timer. It it set the turn on at 10 a.m. And now I can't turn it off from my phone. Great. Anyway, uh, I'm Super Joe Pardo, in case you did not know that. And this is the Entrepreneurs 5-Day-A-Week show where we discuss the Topics of that are that are buzzing around the internet, and we're going to break them down uh, into entrepreneur news. Entrepreneurs, uh, today we are talking about the McRib is back. Uh, Scarlett Johansson and Disney settle their Black Widow lawsuit. Whole Foods founder John Mackey will step down as CEO. Uh, we're going to talk about NFTs, and we'll talk about those last, so stick around for that. If you're a business that needs workers, you should try this trick uh, that apparently, according to a bunch of studies, would help get you more employees. And I have some thoughts on how you could uh, go about doing that. A uh, uh, little update on the Evergrande uh, story. Uh, apparently it's a day of reckoning for, uh, for CarMax, which sells used cars. If you're not familiar with CarMax, uh, and, uh, well, the NFTs will be last, but the, but the blue origin open letter that came out talking about a toxic work environment, sexism in the workplace, uh, and disregard for safety measures, uh, over at Blue Origin, so I, I want to I wanted to address some of that, but I know what you all came here for because you saw the thumbnail, which was the McRib is back. Now I um I've never actually had a McRib myself, uh, and that will probably change this time around. Now I was not aware that the McRib last time it's been a uh, it showed up was eight years ago. Uh the first time the sandwich was sold nationally was twenty twelve. The last time the McRib was made its limited run was twenty twenty. And prior to December sandwich was sold for a limited time, October twenty nineteen. Now I guess I must live in one of the uh areas out you know in f the outside of the Philly area where it is available on the regular, uh, or at least somewhat regular, but yeah, it's going to be it, it, in a time where supply chain crises crises are occurring. This is incredible that they were able to pull off getting the McRib available uh, for everyone nationwide. So I'm looking forward to uh, to trying it this time. I don't know if I don't generally eat at McDonald's. I don't know if, if you eat at McDonald's. I would love for you to. Uh, give some. Uh, I want to hear about it down uh, below in the comments. But uh, I mean, I know that people love their McRib uh, sandwiches, and I, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's. I, I like prime rib. If, if that's what <laughs> if that's what it is. But yeah. So I I, I wanted to bring up uh, the story because. Uh, limited time offers are a great way to keep it fresh. One of my favorite fast food chains, one of America's fa- favorite fast food chains, is uh, is Taco Bell. And they regularly have the $5 box, which hasn't uh, been fallen victim to stagflation or inflation just yet. Um, but they keep that going regularly and look when it comes to the food that they have it's you know meat cheese uh and veg- <laughs> meat cheese and vegetables um and and in different different orders but uh, keeping the limited edition or limited time offers coming through enables you know your customers to have a reason to keep coming back. Another favorite uh place of mine is a ice cream shop that every uh week, every week to every month, I think it's every week. Well, sometimes they so they have one a month. They have like the special Sunday that they offer, but then they also have um Uh, like a week like a weekend special oh excuse me they have like a weekend special so like on a specific weekend (coughs) holiday weekends sorry um holiday weekends they uh offer up these special sundays that might include like a cake or or pie or something bread pudding that's incorporated into that Sunday. So incorporating limited time offers into your offering uh, is a great way to keep people interested and to give you another marketing aspect to your business that is also a revenue generator. So you're not just talking about the same stuff over and over and over again. You're actively talking about something that, uh, you know, is new and different and a, a something that could bring people people in. So that is, uh, so it was pretty cool that the McRib, uh, is back. And like I said, I guess I will try it. People really, I, mean, I don't go to McDonald's. I think the last time I was at McDonald's was, I, I don't even know. I don't even, and I have one up the corner from my house and I just, I just never really go to it. Uh, Scarlett Johansson and Disney settle the black widow mess. Uh, I, you know, have not been a fan of the way that Disney uh, handled it. I think uh, I think they're, they're, they, they should have, um, you know, figured out a way early on to just say, yeah, you know what, we're we're gonna we're we are we are going to we do not have to get this this we just not to go to court. You don't have to actually sue us. Let's let's get this straightened out. Um, so, the key points here: Marvel's uh, star Scarlett Johansson, also known as Black Widow. Uh, says settled to the breach of contract lawsuit the Black Widow actor brought against the studio back in July. The explosive suit claimed that Disney had breached Johansson's contract when it released Black Widow on its streaming service uh, Disney Plus at the same time as it debuted in theaters. And terms of the deal that they reached uh, were not disclosed. So, why I think this uh, this story deserved to be brought up here. Uh, you know, I am firmly in the in the the camp of is it really worth making somebody uh who has done a ton of business with you has helped build you know even if it 's a a smaller um, role in a extremely profitable franchise uh from my understanding, it was twenty million dollars that she was looking in damages. Uh, I'm sure they settled for, probably for a lot less than that. Uh, but I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think Disney should have just did the right thing. Uh, I think that this is kind of a stain on uh, Bob Chapek's tenure there. I'm a huge Disney fan. Uh, I got, uh, Mr. Fredrickson back here behind me. And uh, it, he, it should not have been allowed or enabled to get this far uh, where it becomes a, you know, a problem. So I, uh i wish that disney had just handled it uh the way that they should have out of the gate and not had to go and have this whole lawsuit uh come come out about them uh there was a uh, uh yeah there was a quote here so it says, I'm very pleased that we have been able to come to a mutual agreement with Scarlett Johansson regarding Black Widow, said Disney Studios chairman Alan Bergman in a statement. We appreciate her contributions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look forward to working together on a number of upcoming pro- projects, including Disney's Tower of Terror. Well, that, I mean, that's all, uh, that all sounds warm and fuzzy, and hopefully... Uh, Scarlett Johansson will decide to continue to work uh, and be a valued member of the team, uh, but yeah, it just doesn't. Um, let's see. I'm happy to. Uh, it goes on to say, I'm happy to uh, happy happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. Johansson said in a statement, "I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years." Uh, and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our uh, collaboration in years to come. Yeah, it was, uh, and she be paid, oh, B, B B-E-E, paid $20 million for the film already. Uh, an attempt uh, to make her appear to be someone they and I know she isn't. Yeah, I you know th- I think that's uh, one of the key things here is is it, it just it's not a good look for anybody involved. You know, it, it leaves a, a very bad uh, taste in the mouth of people who want to be uh, involved with Disney, who want to feel like they're they're going to be heard and that they're going to be taken care of, and the contracts will be honored. And and I get it, right? Like the the changes happen. Changes happen all like all the time, like with, with especially with COVID, you know, the the pandemic, and like things are changing, rules are changing, uh, and and all over the place. So I get Disney's decision to to not put it into theaters at the time in which they needed it to go live, or they did put it in theaters, but it was also on streaming, um, but. More consideration should have been given to the contracts in which they had instead of just making i mean it 's not like they just woke up at one day and was like hey like let's let's do uh let's 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 just release this movie and and tomorrow and uh, you know stuff's done in advance and and I think that's the the key thing is like you know when you're putting out your you know putting together um making a decision in your company in your business, are you making that decision with all the key factors in in mind and the bad press or bad PR that potentially could come because you didn't consider... The lead star in your movie, uh, their contract, and whether or not that was going to be a thing. So uh, I think it's I think there's more of a black eye on on Bob Chapek uh, at the end of the day than Scarlett Johansson, who I I really believe she was in the right to to want to defend a contract. I mean, a contract's only as good as as the well as well as you're willing to uphold and defend it. Uh, remember that for any contracts you're entering in, uh, and and yeah, so I I think. Uh, I think that I will be excited to see her continue to do work and hopefully excited to see Disney um, honor their contracts going forward. Speaking of honoring uh John Mackey of Whole Foods the founder is stepping down as CEO. Now I was not that familiar with John Mackey. I personally have never I think I've shopped in a Whole Foods once or twice in my life. Um John Mackey has been uh, he co-founded Whole Foods back in 1980 down in uh, Austin, Texas. Um, and Amazon bought the company, um, as many of you know, in 2017. The chief operating officer, COO Jason Buchel, maybe that's how you say it, will replace Mackey in uh, September of 2022. So it's, it's so it's going to be a long road, uh, for, you know, for a change of power a year over the course of a year. Um, you know, I I I wanted to highlight this story about uh, John, because, Oh, I'm guessing, Oh, I guess this is, is that a picture of John Mackey? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure, but, uh, I wanted to highlight this story because the passion that one must have to start your business, um, operate it for a number of years and then sell your business and continue to work in your business. Now, That uh, that sometimes is an option for some businesses uh, when they sell to to be able to take on a role. Usually, it's not continuing on a CEO uh, CEO, but in a role that um enables them to be in a managerial position or or like a regional or a uh. You know, COO position of that those operations in which you ran for a number of years. I know when we sold uh, the part Pardo truck parts, uh, the middle, the red hat behind me. Uh, when when that was sold, um, you know there was some consulting positions that were offered, and that's it. They, you know, I mean the the company that bought it is a multi billion dollar company, so they didn't need. Uh, they didn 't need or really want somebody to stay to stay on and because we had uh, so many locations with managers and and leadership in place at those locations it didn 't really they didn 't really need it they were able to roll what a lot of those locations into their current offering and their current management system that they they had already placed so uh, for, for John to, to have the passion to continue to, to work, uh, for five years going on six years as the active CEO, CEO of the company of whole foods. Uh, I just, you know, I, I just want to give him, I'll give him a ding, ding, uh, the, you know, I'm sure at that point he had already made, you know, tons of money. He made tons of money with the sale and decided, you know, I, I, don't want to retire. I don't want to go speak. I don't want to do, I'm sure he's going to go do something after this. Uh, but it's just awesome to see that people, uh, when people are so passionate about the thing that they've, you know, put their life and blood and sweat, tears, family, everything into, um, and, and then still want to be there, still want to show up every day and, and run and guide the guide, help guide the company. Uh, that's, that is awesome. And, uh, I think, uh, You know, now with Whole Foods, I mean, they've had their issues over the years. What was that asparagus water that was like $10 or something? You know, they've had their their own share of issues over the years. But speaking of issues, an open letter from former and current Blue Origin employees accuses Jeff Bezos of sacrificing safety in an effort to win the billionaire space race and creating a toxic, sexist work culture along the way. Um you know i uh so here's here's some of the key points right an open letter uh says former and current blue origin employees believe the company sacrificed safety a former blue origin communications head of uh, head said jeff bezos fostered a toxic and sexist work culture blue origin said it inv- it would investigate uh, the harassment claims and maintains uh, its rockets are safe well of course they're going to do that um, I, there's plenty of reasons that this that this could happen, but it, when I was reading through the article, uh, I was wondering like where is the, like what what kind of uh, things were being said right so the the letter accused another unnamed executive. Uh, of often referring to women by derogatory names like baby girl and baby doll, uh, it said female employees often warned one another, uh, one another to avoid these executives. That is in- incredible. I can't even. I. I it, it's hard for me to fathom that people would feel the need uh, or the audacity, the power. Uh, to say things like that, uh, to well, really to anybody, but, but to, to females in a workplace that, uh, is disheartening at, uh, at best and, and like just completely disastrous, uh, and, and, and makes my heart sink that people would have to feel like that, uh, in, in the workplace, um, it kind of makes me me wonder or wish that maybe this letter should have came out a little sooner maybe like around the time when blue origin was like you know go you know when jeff went up in in the rocket uh it would have been nice to see that then though some people might just say oh no that's just uh you know that they're, they're just trying to take take away from uh, what's going on? And I mean, it, it, like I said, it goes on to talk about how how there's a safety measures that are being kind of skirted and sacrificed along the way because of you know Jeff Bezos's uh, desire to be in that billion dollar space race, billion billionaire space race, uh, along with you know uh, Elon Musk and 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 Richard Branson. So. Uh Oh, here you go. Uh, Abrams separately told CBS in an interview that in 2018, one team had documented more than a thousand safety concerns with the rockets that power blue origins missions. Uh, I mean, that's a lot, but I think that there, you know, when you're talking about um, when you're talking about things that like haven't been done by private companies and we're talking about 2018. So, you know he uh, Jeff just went up in the rocket this year so it's been a while uh since then it makes me wonder if uh like of course there's things you know safety concerns that are going to come up so i i don't know how how legit that aspect of it is and um i also wonder if uh any lawsuits uh have or will be coming up um uh about it so uh, i look forward to 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 tracking this this uh this letter and uh and and watching the the blue origin and how it may or may not uh you know work out for for jeff there so if your business is in need of workers what can you do so this one article uh brought up a uh i guess it was some surveys that were done Uh, And it and found that workers right now are looking for um, child care. Right, where can they send their kids that'll be safe? Uh, You know, because especially as as companies want to bring their employees back under one roof, et cetera, et cetera. uh, Where can those those kids go um it's one of the the real aspects of or great aspects of being well great and blessing and a curse to working from home and being there uh and having your 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 children present and and watching them so this article talks about uh, i think that in this video oh yeah they they talked the uh, uh, they had the chart up here so childcare is unaffordable all parents agree uh, 44% and working parents, 39% agree that it is very expensive. Childcare is very expensive. It is not, uh, it is not cheap. Now, my solution, my thought process to this is if you're having, you know, if you're having trouble, depending on where you're at and you're, you're able to maybe bring other businesses in your building, in your, um, wherever you're located, right? If, like a, uh, like a um a facility uh what was it like a a, a park uh oh, i can't think of it industrial like an industrial park or a commercial uh park or or an office park where you have lots of different offices you know maybe that's an opportunity for you to pull the resources with a bunch of the other business neighbor neighboring businesses and Get, you know, get some child care together. Obviously, it's going to be a lot for one company to take on. And if you're a small to medium business, that might not work out. Or you might only have a couple of people that uh, have children that their their concern is getting that child care. Right. So I, I think the the opportunity there is to, like, think outside the box. If this is if, if you're really having trouble getting people to come and work, you know, work for you. Try to get yourself a bunch of other businesses, pull the money together, pull the kids together uh so that you have enough kids to make it worth you know hiring child care and and dedicating a space to it and 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 doing some investment for it so i uh, or or um, you know offer it as an incentive to to pay a portion of the bill for child care, something to that effect. Uh, you know, because when you talk about money and and things like that, it's like it's just like one more benefit that you can add to the package of things that you offer and get and can get done uh, for your for your team. So I I would absolutely look at if this is if this is a problem on your end if you feel or you talk to people like hey I'd love to come back to work but like I, I can't send my kid to school right now depending on where you're at. This might be an opportunity for you to say, like, let's let's jump into action. Let's get you some money to get them into to, to, to professional child care or build our own child care solution uh, with some other businesses in in our in our community here. The Evergrande crisis. So there was a there was a specific piece of this. Um so that we talked about yesterday on The Entrepreneurs, uh, which – so it says, this is four questions that explain why China's property market, which is twice as big as America's, uh, and where 20% of homes are empty matters. Um, a piece of thing – like something that came to mind is, is – so they have, uh, have 1.6 million homes uh, I guess apartments or 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 homes Evergrande does that need uh, that need bodies they or or their income in, I'm sorry they're incomplete homes that they cannot sell uh, and that, and they're having trouble getting the concrete the lumber the everything they need to get the job done and move on to the next one and that's one of the reasons they're having such a big problem right now. So when you think about uh, how this could affect uh, us here in the U S uh, and you look at, okay, so it's a 1.6 million completed homes. If they default and they go bankrupt and they do not deliver those 1.6 million homes. The problem there is when you compare that to the foreclosed homes uh, is uh, as a visible sign of today's housing crisis back in 2009, Uh, In 2006, at least one, uh, let's see, the United States, uh, the number of homes in the United States with at least one foreclosure filing increased from uh, 717,000 to, which was 0.6% of all housing units to 2.3 million in 2008. And this, this is from an article that was, that was 1.8%. This article was written in uh, May of 2009. So, that small percentage of the, of American homes going foreclosed created such a vacuum uh, for not just our economy here but the, oh, the world economy. So when you compare the two point three million that foreclosed uh, in two thousand and eight just to the one point six million that aren 't being completed, not to mention all the other aspects of evergrand 's business the, uh, the vacuum that that will create. Uh, could be very catastrophic. Not just for China. If it's catastrophic for China, it's going to be catastrophic for literally the rest of the world that does their uh, manufacturing primarily in China. So, I it it actually is a, a bigger deal, and it doesn't seem. Uh, I, I have not seen that China is uh, prepared to bail them out uh, at all. So, <laughs> which. Kinda could be a huge problem for for everybody else because uh, if they're not, you know, these people aren't able to get their homes, they're not able to go to work. You talk about shortages. This could be, uh, this could end up being a huge, you know, huge ripple effect through the economy, uh, through the rest of the world. And so that was the um, primary thing I wanted to bring up about Evergrande today. Uh, as, as we get hopefully closer to a solution, uh, as I mentioned yesterday on the entrepreneurs, they are selling, um, they're selling, uh, some of their, I guess, stock in the, or was it stock in their business? Uh, like $1.5 billion, which was only going to be enough to like cover the interest so they could basically buy another day. Uh, so I, I very, very, very scary, uh, times ahead. if, 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 Well, China doesn't do something about it, Uh, but we might it might be in our interest to do something about, you know, and help in some way, shape or form as well. So it does not crumble uh, around them and ultimately crumble around us. So a day of reckoning for Carmax. Uh, CarMax results reveal the used car industry is not immune to global issues plaguing the market today. Not only are the rising costs digging into the bottom line, but there is the omnipresent issue of the global semiconductor shortage. So um, this is not news to anybody, right? But this uh, this talk specifically to CarMax, which if you're not familiar, CarMax is – a, uh, a huge u- uh, used car dealership here in the state. I don't know if they're in other countries, but they, they are huge in the states here. And uh, it looks like CarMax had a truly outstanding quarter in which revenue grew 48.8% over last year. Uh, to set a company record of $7.99 billion, with a B. This beat the consensus by over 1,500 basis points and is supported by robust demand in the wholesale channels. The company reported 19.9% increase in total units sold, Uh, With a 6.7 percent increase in retail units sold and a 41.8 percent increase in wholesale units sold, so it sounds like everything's going gangbusters. But the problem, uh, the uh, so this says the analysts remain are the the analyst consensus sentiment for CarMax is bullish, but we think there are some uh, some changes soon. Uh, there is yet to be any uh, analyst comments since the re- uh, release of the report, but the price action says everything. Carmax price uh, action or price action fell more than ten percent to below the current MarketBeat.com consensus estimate, with hundred and thirty-four dollars set to st- uh, with with hundred and thirty-four dollars, sorry, uh, and set to stock up for a much deeper decline. The price action is confirming resistance at the short term moving average that we see taking the stock down to firmer support levels. So all this to say that uh, while, while the used car industry was able to uh, prop itself up for a while there and increasing prices through inflation uh, has been great. I mean, when you look at inflation across the board, used car mar- uh, the used car market and car-, well, car market and used car market in general has been propping that up uh, through the pandemic as far. I think it was like something like 60 to 80 percent. Um, of the 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 you know considered inflation across the entire economy was uh, was was um, loaned or or um, blamed on blamed uh, was 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 or I'm sorry because of. Uh, because of used car prices being so inflated, because of the fact that there's a chip shortage, because they can't get those cars. Because, I mean, if you haven't seen, uh, what was that? I think down in was it Tennessee or Alabama or something like that, the racetrack down there, you know, Ford was just parking trucks. Like they just literally, you know, it's like somebody took a drone shot like three days or, or, you know, three or four drone shots. And it's just like it progressively that that racetrack got progressively more and more full with trucks that just needed a chip. That they could not get because of the shortage, um, and and I, th- I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more of these types of things. You know, we've talked about this, or you know, yesterday on the entrepreneurs um, about shortages and and so many other things coming down the pike. And it's not shortages like the toilet paper shortage of the great toilet paper shortage of twenty twenty. It is because of the fact that, uh, you know, it's so, ex- well, it's so expensive to get things over here now, uh, so expensive that, uh, business, you know, big businesses target, the targets, Walmart's. they're chartering chartering their own boats, which is, uh, I mean, kind of a mess in and of itself, but that's cause they need, you know, there's so, I guess, so less m- amount of boats coming across the, the, uh, the, the water, the ocean, um, to deliver things. So, uh, you know, I, I think that we're going to see a lot more things as if the pandemic, you know, might be subside, be subsiding here again, here in America, it, you know, we, a lot of our stuff is not produced here. So it's and it's not shipped from here so the, the we need the people who are shipping and creating and and crafting manufacturing these things we need them to not have a pandemic of their own so that we can get that you know get things back uh in line and you know we still might be sitting here for a while uh getting um you know these these shortages uh you know from everything i've been reading the 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 chip shortage probably won't be better in 2022 uh but may, you know we we might start to see some signs uh by like third quarter fourth quarter but i i i think that even then it's still uh um it's still a, a crapshoot in the sense that if we if, if we have shipping problems it's still because like you know the boat takes i don't know what like a, I don't know, a couple weeks to a month to get here, depending on where it's coming from and then get offloaded and like go through customs and all stuff. So it's like the rubber, you know, it, it's a rubber band effect that could take a while for us to, to work through. So I wanted to talk about NFTs. I know I've uh, had hinted at doing a video about this for a while. Uh, I am not getting the, in the NFT business. Uh, I, I currently do not own any uh, NFTs, but I so I had this question. I was trying to understand like, you're buying something, but you don't own it, or you do own it, and I should be like doing copyright lawsuits to people who are utilizing the thing that I just spent, you know, potentially thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on. And I could not understand the 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 value in it so i i've i mean i've watched a bunch of videos i mean obviously i have friends that are in it i have friends that understand it better than i do or did um but i after doing enough research i wanted to give a this is the simpleton version of it uh because again, when people say, Oh, they bought uh, you know, you see on the news, like the, the articles, oh, uh, the NBA is selling NFTs now, and it's like LeBron James dunking the basketball, and it's like it's a video of him dunking the basketball, and it's like, well, does the NBA still own that? Does he own that? Who 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 owns this? What like what are you actually owning? So upon doing a, a lot more research. Um, basically, what NFTs come down to is you're owning it on the blockchain. And if you don't know what the blockchain is, it's the technology that runs cryptocurrency and, and utilizes a, a, like a, a mass network of computers to uh, verify the transactions that happen between people. And when it comes to NFTs, it's kind of like buying the, a piece of artwork. But in this case, um, according to the articles that I was reading about it, the uh, the rights are actually still owned by the original artist. You are only buying it on the blockchain. So if you think about it, kind of like so so the way I, I think I best could explain it is kind of like buying a stock. So if you are buying cryptocurrency like on Coinbase or something to that effect, um, and you're like, I want to. I really like this picture. I, I you know, I want to own it. You're, you're kind of owning it in the sense that you're buying it as a quote unquote token, or as I would equate it to like a stock, uh, or a, an original painting. Right. But you're, you don't actually like, just cause you buy that painting doesn't mean that yes, you own the, the physical painting, but you don't own the rights to, uh, make copies of that painting. Right. So that's, that's the thing that I think I was – I know I personally was getting really hung up on. It's like why would you spend $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 on a picture of a cat with a, with a dinosaur tail, right? Or, or a penguin or something like that. And the reason I, I – from my understanding is that it's an opportunity for you to take your money – and put it into something that can be valued higher at a later date. Sure, the money will be, you know, you know, the Ethereum, the the Bitcoin, the Dogecoin uh, to the moon. Uh, the, all these things could be worth more. But think about it, and in this, uh, like, if you think about like a stock market, um, you're basically taking a, a chunk of your money that will, you know, will fluctuate. Hopefully, go to the moon at some point, uh, and you're investing it into one like a token effectively uh, or a stock that there is only one of on the blockchain. So you're, you're virtually or um, owning this, this piece of artwork. Now, is it a good idea to, to do it? is it you know i mean you see all the people you see the headlines people making you know ridiculous amounts of money on on nfts and and all that going back to i think april it was uh it was enabled on the ethereum blockchain i you know i i don't know i to me it's a it's a gamble um i don't think it's a scam i think that it's just a way to tie if you already have a bunch of Ethereum, if you already have a bunch of, well, I guess it's, it's only I think it's only on the Ethereum uh, blockchain. So if you own a bunch of Ethereum or you own, you know, you have a bunch of money and you want to tie it up in an asset um, that is literally a PNG file, (laughs) uh, it it, it could work. It, It also could go to nothing. Um, Because in the real world here, it's not a physical painting, but in the virtual world, you are effectively buying a painting, Um, which I guess is the explanation for why, you know, you could in theory um, buy a painting for $100 million. And like you're tying up that money, you know, into one asset and the value, you know, because there's so few of them. It should go up, and that's the idea. Um, but I don't necessarily know. I can't give you a definitive answer. If I think that it will actually be a worthwhile investment in the long term, I think if you have a bunch of Ethereum already, like if you're a miner or you've already invested a bunch uh, of your, you know, your your cash into into cryptocurrencies. Um it might be a it might be a way. It might it might it might be a way to like you've already tied up the money, let's put it into an asset, and then you know, but there is there is something else that you should know is that with NFTs, the uh the original creator is potentially going to get a cut of whatever you sell uh that NFT for when you inevitably go to sell. You know, before it goes, you know, the whole thing goes to zero if it ever goes to zero. But you, you want to make, you know, so you want to make sure that you know what the contract reads on that NFT, so that you know it's like, oh, cool, I bought this thing for five, you know, five thousand dollars or like one point something Ethereum or two two Ethereum, and you know, a month from now I go to sell it and I can sell it for. To all of a sudden, it's worth forty thousand because there is only one of that particular picture uh, that is on that was on the blockchain, and the contract might read, "Oh, well, the the person that that created it is going to get their twenty percent cut of whatever you sell it for." Which I am all for. I think artists should be paid. I think artists are underpaid, and I think that it kind of bothers me a bit that like. The way art generally works is like, hey, the art, you know, the art's worth nothing or virtually nothing uh, until the artist passes away. And then there's only a limited amount and it becomes collectible. And but then, you know, it's like, w- why not give that some of that money to the family? Like you sell that painting um, or somebody else sells, you know, that had bought it, sells it to someone else maybe the family should retain uh, a portion of that money, you know? And, and I, I mean, I don't, obviously I don't think it should be like 80%, but 40%, 30%, 25%, 15%, 10%. I mean, hell, if you're, you're selling something for you know, $300 million, like it, you know, a 10% like to the family of the people who, who, you know, that pay, that painted it. I think it's, I think it's important that, uh, some of that money go go somewhere else, than just other you know other rich people who are just buying and selling uh, these these paintings for ridiculous amounts of money. So ultimately, you know NFTs. It's I don't know if it, I don't. To me, it's, I, I see it almost like gambling. Um, so do it at your own risk. Basically, do it at your own risk. Uh, to, to see the, uh, that is all the news that we have today. It was sort of, uh, I appreciate you all watching. If you had any questions, business, you know, business questions that you have, please drop them, uh, in the comments or in the chat. And, uh, I, I, I love the fact that I get to be here every single day with you, uh, going through the news, relating it back to your business and, and showing you, you know, how you can, make it better, right? How you can come up with other ideas. Think outside the box. And that's, that's what this is an exercise in every single day. Uh, I will be back on Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, at least until we hit the, the daylight savings time switch over to, to Standard Time. Um, I hope you have an amazing weekend, and I will uh, I'll see you on Monday. Take care, everybody.